I will DM them on Instagram. And these people have like 300 followers, right? Because it's like they're, they're a corporate company. They're not like a creative or anything like that. So they have like a small following. Sometimes they have private pages. And I love when their names are super unique because I can find them on Instagram. You're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast, where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help Gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it! Our next gang star is Nicole Harris, and she's the owner and creative director of Dreams in Detail, a leading Los Angeles-based full-service luxury event planning and design firm. Awarded for producing some of the most luxurious and innovative celebrations worldwide, Nicole has garnered an industry-wide reputation for her extensive design portfolio and her unparalleled ability to bring a vision to life. Motivated by her passion for visual aesthetics, Nicole incorporates fresh ideas inspired from interior design and fashion. With over a decade of experience, Nicole has a deep-rooted understanding Understanding of client needs, resulting in her ability to curate highly personal, innovative weddings and events down to the smallest detail. Nicole's events captivate and interest an impressive list of top celebrities and iconic brands, including the Los Angeles Lakers, Gary Vaynerchuk, Shawn Mendes, the Backstreet Boys, LA Chargers, NFL, Knicks, Melanie Fiona, Ulta Beauty, and so many more awesome clients. Her work has been seen in numerous premier industry wedding and lifestyle magazines, blogs, and publications, and has been featured in the New York Times, The Knot, Forbes, Huffington. And post and celebrity style weddings. She's a leading authority in producing world class events and is a sought after event planner, consultant, and keynote speaker. In this episode, she goes into the ins and outs of her business, so I'm super excited for you guys to give it a listen. Let's get to it. All right, gang stars, I have an amazing guest today. Her name is Nicole Harris, and she is an amazing event planner. I'm super excited to have you, girl. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm really great. Um, it's crazy because it's it's the end of the week for me, but um, I'm really excited because during this time, I'm just trying to do all the things I've never got to do. So I'm pretty positive right now. Good. Yeah, we need as much positivity right now in such a crazy, like, sad time. It's it's funny. Not Well, it's kind of funny, not funny, but it's just like, you know, we were just talking about TikTok before we actually started um, recording. And I was telling my husband the other day, like, it's crazy how much positivity and how much this thing is actually bringing us together, even though at the same time, like, there's so much like sadness and bad stuff happening on the opposite end. And there's like positive things happening to the world, like in the environment too itself. So I think yeah. it's good that, you know, people like us are trying to stay positive and hopefully people who hear you today can get some motivation and inspiration from you too. I'm glad. I'm happy to give it. I'm so excited. Yeah. So let's have you um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Who is Nicole? Where did you start and where are you today? Perfect. So I'm Nicole. I'm an event planner and I started, um, and it's a really crazy story. Um, I started out, um, in LA. However, I was, my whole plan of moving to LA originally was to go to law school. So I was, I finished my undergrad and I was studying for the LSAT and I got into Pepperdine and I was like all about that. My whole life, I thought I was going to be a lawyer and like <laughs> my mom had the whole like, 
you know, law school mom sticker on her car. She was like <laughs> so thrilled about it. <laughs> and so I go to the orientation um, and I get my schedule and everything, my student ID. And in the middle of orientation, I just leave. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Even though like my whole undergrad was all about like pre-law, all preparing for this. I was just like, um, this doesn't feel right. And I'm not going to dedicate the next three years to this. So I left and I drove to like the, I, I drove to um, my cousin's, my cousin had an apartment at the time. And I was like, I have to figure out what I'm going to do. So mm -hmm. I didn't tell anybody but my sister that I was not going to law school anymore. I oh man. It was really crazy. And I, they, my whole family was in, um, lives in San Diego. So they just thought I was just going to just go to law school in LA. So what I ended up doing was I got a studio apartment and I, for a year, basically, I just was like, I can't come to them and say, you know, I just dropped out of, of like law school. I'm not going. So I have to like have a plan. So for the next year, I just like, tried to pursue everything that I loved and what I wanted to do. And I love, I love design and, and I try to figure out what my natural talents are. So I got a regular nine to five and I, um, even at the nine to five, I was just like a bad employee. Even at the nine to five, I would work on, um, my event planning business that I wanted to do. Yeah. And I literally just grinded at doing, doing that until I had the courage to leave. And then, um, yeah, like for me, being a lawyer was all about the money, but now, um, like revenue wise now, I'm so glad that I, I took the whole event planning role because, um, it's just, I'm making the same thing as I would. And I'm so much happier. I can like really, <laughs> I can really be happy about the route that I took because I didn't give up and I really did it. Oh man. I love that. What, what was your nine to five that you ended up taking? So because my undergrad was all pre-law, I worked as, at a, as a legal assistant at a bunch of different law firms in mm -hmm. LA. So I worked at um, law firms um, that were within like the realm of what I was learning, which was like criminal justice, which had, it was completely different than event planning. And mm -hmm. I did that until like, um, I was just so over it. And it only validated that my decision not to go to law school and I basically did that until I saved up enough to where I felt like I could like take the leap. Gotcha. What was like your um, transition out of it? Did you like know the, like, what was the number amount that you're like, okay, I, you know, need to have this much saved up. Um, I'm going to let my job know like a month in advance, two weeks in advance. Was it easy for you to kind of take that leap? Cause I know uh, a lot of listeners I... maybe might be in that position. I was kind of, I was kind of rushed into it. So I was, my, my goal was I was going to save a year's salary. So that's if like my business does has fluctuates up and down for like the year. I know that for a year, I have a year to get my shit together before like, you know, really like shit really hits the fan because I know that I have a year cushion to move pieces and figure it out because I'm at work, you know, eight hours a day and the commute in LA. Mm -hmm. So like, that's like 12 hours of my life I'm, I'm losing when I can be grinding toward my business. So I was like, if you can't get it together at this point, you know, then you're not trying hard enough. Cause I do believe if you, if you really grind and you really work, it can be done. So I just needed enough to where I can like not go crazy. So I just, my goal is to save a year's salary. And, um, that didn't, ha I didn't save a year's salary. That didn't happen because 
um, I got fired because I was a terrible employee because all I did, I, this, is what, <laughs> this is what happened to me. <laughs> I, I was planning on leaving, like I was planning on leaving two months before I got fired, right? And then um, this is what happened. I would get, I was, I was, I was building my business, but I had clients. So like a client would call, like a bride would have an emergency and she would say, oh my gosh, I really need your help. Can you come to the house? Something happened with my dress. So, you know, that's what, that's like my real goal. So I would leave work. And oh I would my go. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I would leave work and I would go and I would be like, oh my gosh. And then like, it's LA. So even if where I was going was 20 minutes away, it will take me, it would take me two and a half Like hours. an hour, two hours. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, the whole turnaround trip was like, it was no point of even going back. So I would show back up at like four o'clock just to like show up. And it was bad. I did that all the time because met, there's no real set hours for my job. So I was like, anything could happen. So I was always like on my client schedule because like, you know, I'm like, it's a it's service based. Like I'm at their service. Yeah. So yeah, so I, so they were really sick of me, you know, and what was your excuse when you came back to work? Girl, <laughs> let me tell you, I had all the excuses. So I, <laughs> I started by using excuses that like my, in the beginning I was an amateur. So I was like, my excuses were like something that can only happen once, but then I developed excuses that can be recurring. Like I was, <laughs> I was like, uh, like, for example, like if something's going on with like, my car, let's say that like I got, um, let's say that like I had a fender bender. Okay, so I say, I'll tell them, oh, I had a fender bender, but now, you know, next Tuesday, I know I have something coming up next Tuesday. I'm like, mm -hmm. next Tuesday I have to get that fixed and then I have to follow up and do blah, blah, blah to my insurance as I come look at it, like whatever the following week. So they know <laughs> the one thing that happened, it gives me like three chances. So I started yeah. doing stuff like that. Um, <laughs> that that was really is hilarious. Funny. I know that was the only way I started to do. I started to, I had to, I had to start getting excuses that at least played off of each other because it was just looking real bad. Like it was just, <laughs> I couldn't keep making up like a, 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 like a concoction of a story every time. So yeah. So that's what my life became. Like I was, I had to make the choice and that's when I really knew that I, it was time for me to leave. And I, because one, I was totally checked out from work. I was like mm -hmm. doing the, I was doing my job, but it was just like bare minimum, like, and it wasn't until, um, a lot of my clients started like every week, like this is like three to four times a week. Clients are saying like, Hey, like, can we meet or potential clients want to meet like, you know, on their lunch. And I'm yeah. like, sure. I'll drive to like Calabasas and I'm coming from downtown LA. And it was just Ooh. like, it was that. Yeah. And it was just like, I had to like change my whole outfit. Like it was like a yeah. thing. So it, it just felt, it just felt like too much because I, I was like, imagine if I could, if I did this like all the time and I could really grow, like if I had the time. So I was planning on leaving and the reason I was leaving was financially. However, they were so sick of me. They were like, look, like, you know, you leave like three to four times a week for hours <laughs> at a time. <laughs> and we're just like we and it's like a law firm you know so they're like not flexible mm -hmm. at all they're like this is like really corporate here and we really like we're just not lenient on that like if you want to if working from home is something you want to pursue like this isn't like the job for you yeah and I was like I totally understand you know <laughs> yeah. yeah wow and, at least you um you know 
it worked out how it was supposed to. And now you have your yeah, business dreams in detail and you're successful and been working with lots of clients. I mean, anyone from the Los Angeles Lakers to freaking Gary Vaynerchuk, which I saw you land recently. I'm curious to know, like you do corporate events, you do private events, you do a lot of weddings. Uh, what are your favorite types of projects? Is it like a certain industry? Or you kind of like them all. I like, so I love, I love corporate events and, and events for brands the most. Brands the most because I can be the most creative. Like they'll, they'll want me to, they'll want me to build like a mini store at a, in a venue and with their, with mm. like if their colors are like yellow and I can literally create like a whole store, like from start to finish, just based off like their, their products that they just want to create like this space for like. Um, the guests that come to their event. So I really love working with brands because they just trust me to be creative and however I want. Um, mm -hmm. And I love I love corporate events because um, for corporate events I like the budgets because I can do a, they're not emotionally tied to their money. So they they're mm -hmm. way more open to like some out of the box ideas that I think would work really well like for their. Um, employee retention so they're really open to some of the things I send over and it's way less pressure so I love I love those the most for sure so how do you actually get your clients um, do you do outreach do you run ads um, is it mostly referral and people come to you is it a you know different types of things like what is your like main way to get your clients and get um, events booked uh, it's like a whole concoction of things so how I get clients mainly would be if they're all different avenues. So if it's wedding planning clients, I advertise on the knot and I get a lot of wedding planning clients from the knot. Um, I would say about 50% of my wedding clients come from advertising on the knot. Um, and then my other half of clients would be from through um, a mix of referrals and Instagram. My, and because of that, my, uh, my Instagram is heavily tailored towards wedding clients because my clients that are like corporate event clients, they don't come from Instagram. They come from, um, they typically come from like some serious outreach that I have to do or some SEO that I'm doing where they find me organically on Google or mm -hmm. um, leveraging one of my relationships that I have. Like for example, because I did an event with Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm going to ask him and his like um, team of assistants like hey like I really want to do an event for Google do you have a contact there and I will basically stalk the people at Google until someone responds to me and <laughs> that's basically like that's my method I literally I reach out to like if I get one contact at Google then I'll reach out to whoever's around them until like just at least I want my name in the pot that's just how I feel like I want to be in the mix yeah. and so they just know I exist because they totally don't know I exist right now so that's basically what my goal is for all corporate clients. That's how I get them. Um, and ah. then for brands, I get brands from Instagram. So any, like if a brand wants to have like an event for like influencers or if they want to like um, have us do like some ins installation of backdrops or anything like that in the design, that's totally through Instagram. And they, um, they will reach out um, and they usually find me through hashtags. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Do you, um, what is your, like, so your outreach for, like, the corporate companies that you're, quote, unquote, like, stalking, how do you find those contacts of those people that are, like, around, you said, like, you try to reach out to them. What is your process for even, like, finding out who these people are and even how to contact them? 
I go to their LinkedIn. So let's say that I'm, I'm looking to pitch to VaynerMedia. So I'll go to their LinkedIn and I'll see who the decision makers are. Thankfully, mm -hmm. like working in a corporate environment, I, I understand how it works. Like I need to speak with HR. I need to speak with the office manager. I need to speak with um, any form of an executive assistant, office assistant, anyone administrative. Those are the people I need to contact. So that's basically who I um, look for their um, I look for their information on LinkedIn and everyone like bombards everybody on LinkedIn. So that's not where I expect for them to respond to me. I, ex I will DM them on Instagram and these people have like 300 followers, right? Cause it's like they're, they're a corporate company. They're not like a creative or anything like that. So they have like a small following. Sometimes they have private pages and I love when their names are super unique. Cause I can find them on Instagram really easily. Mm. And so I will, so I'll look at, I mean, half of them I won't find because it's going to be like my name, Nicole Harris. I'll never yeah. find, <laughs> never find me on, on, through a search. So, but if someone has a, a, a really unique last name or first or first name with like a normal last name that like everyone has, I'll find them and I will DM them and I'll comment on like probably like three of their old photos and I'll say, check your, I'll say, Hey, like, can you check your DMs? And then I'm just talking to them in their DMs. I'm telling them like who I am and I'd love to plan their holiday party and who, and I asked them who I should speak with. So, and Ooh, they, that's good. Yeah, they, leave, they leave me on red about nine times out of 10, but it only takes one. So, mm -hmm. and then after that, I run with it. I just need that one name and then I'll, I'll, I'll ask, okay, like, thank you so much. Do you have their email? So now that I know the structure of the email, I can email a bunch of people in that company whose names I see on LinkedIn because I know like first dot last name or however their structure is, I know how they do it at that company now. Mm -hmm. And that's all outreach. That is awesome. Everybody listening, Nicole just reverse engineered the mess out of the outreach. I'm sure a lot of y'all are like, <laughs> wow, I didn't even think about this. And it's really cool because it kind of validates for me too, because I kind of do the same. That's kind of like how I do my outreach too, but yeah. I love the detail of you um, sharing, like even going a step further. And like, I would like try to find people on Instagram that I found on LinkedIn too, but then some of the names are hard and then like some of them have private accounts, but like the idea of like um, liking the photos and then commenting, saying like, hey, check your DMs. And then like you said, nine times out of 10 might be unread, but it just takes that one to actually make like have something go through and then even your uh the strategy of seeing how the emails are structured and just being able to put their name in the same way that the email is structured is so smart yeah. and a lot of people <laughs> don't know that that's really like you know how it works in a big organization so that was Very a lot true. of value bombs for people listening i can tell you that for sure <laughs> yeah i mean that's it's major because what i didn't realize is like if i wanted to reach out to google it's not just at google it's not someone's first and last name at google.com that's not how they do it yeah so it's like i didn't know that so i'm like and i'm getting i'm trying this before my method and i'm getting a whole bunch of bounce back messages and i'm like okay so this is not how they structure it yeah and i'll like and i'll research it online like how do the how do the how is like i'm like at at coca-cola how are the how do they structure their their the naming on their emails and it's not listed so that's how you got to do it <laughs> gotcha that's so good and you know i'm sure a lot of people listening to probably are like scared to do that they're like 
you know, what if they get mad or like report me to some blacklist, you know, that's out there. So what would you say to those people who are like scared to do that kind of reach out? Did, have you ever gotten any negative feedback? Like, why are you messaging me? Or, you know, the whole like, please unsubscribe, like unsubscribe me from your list. Like, do you get anything like super negative? Um, yeah, I get people, I get people that say, they'll say, please unsubscribe from my list or they'll just say stop. Like they'll think it's automated and they'll just say stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's funny. but my, this is my answer to everything like that. The answer is already no. So like you actually have nothing to lose. Like mm. by you not reaching out, the answer is no, because you're not putting yourself out there. They're not going to find you. Okay. Because yeah. you're in the midst of like starting your own thing or you're just new in this space in general. And they might even have someone on their contacts internally that they would reach out to for it. So I think the answer is already no. So you, it's like, the, it can only go up from there. If someone says yeah. something like rude, then I just, you know, I just chalk it up to the game. It is what it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever gotten anything negative from um, reaching out to people via Instagram since that's more personal? Um, through Instagram? No one has been, no one's been rude. Like, girl, why are you stalking me? <laughs> I know. People just leave me, people leave me on red or they'll just say something really short, like, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. Like, I don't, uh, like, you know, I can't, or, or someone will say like, I can't help you or something gotcha. like that. And it's like, okay. Okay. I mean, that's on. better than nothing. Yeah. It's better yeah. than nothing. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Um, everybody that's listening, the way that I connected with Nicole is actually through outreach. I have a, I had like a list of like event planners and her business was on there. And I sent out a cold email to her and her being the sweetheart that she is she you were like one of the like quickest responders to that like one of my few yeses I'm all about it yeah yeah I, I, I totally love it yeah and one of the few people that actually responded and you were like really I could tell your tone was like really nice and I was just like yes like and that's how you know me and Nicole actually connected so you don't really know like what can happen out out of you know doing outreach but you like she like Nicole said you have to put yourself out there and because no one else is going to do it. And the worst that can happen is people saying no. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. If, um, once somebody says yes, what does it look like? Like, what does the process look like, um, to work with you, um, when planning an event? So when planning an event, when someone starts, when someone says yes, like the, my main goal is to get it on paper and get that, get something signed. So, mm -hmm. I'll send them over my packages and I'll just let them, and I'll, and I'll share with them. Like, um, I, I tell them right away about payment because when I work with people or in any industry, like, even if I'm like, if I'm buying a car or anything, if anything is vague, like it's really hard for me to trust. So mm -hmm. I just tell people my prices right away and to immediately vet them because um, tip, what I used to do is I used to tell them, like, I used to, you know, hear about what they're looking for and then kind of offer like my feedback, but I need to give them starting rates at least because I would go to meetings with people and waste my time realizing yeah. like they would love to book me, but their budget is like half of like what I have, what I'm offering. So, um, it looks like I, so that's what I do first. Step one is I give them my rates so they can see my rates and what it comes with. And then I, um, after if they're still interested, um, I hop on a call, quick call with them and just to send over the proposal and get that signed. I'll tell them like, we can move forward after the proposal is signed and then 
we can get started. So I just try to get everything on paper so that they're locked. So they're locked in mm -hmm. um, as a client. And then we, I pretty much hit the ground running from there. I send them like a planning checklist of, I break down, like if their event is in six months, I break down each month, what we're going to take care of. So they're not emailing me like, Oh, what should I be doing this month? And so nothing feels like a fire drill. So I just want to make sure that they're in the loop of everything that I'm doing each month. So that mm -hmm. we like make sure invites are sent out on time or like it's time to get fitted for the dress or it's time to like have our tasting, stuff like that's listed there. Oh, cool. I'm curious to know if when you work with say like big corporate clients or celebrities, do you get to actually work directly with those people? Like with Gary, did you work with directly with Gary or like with certain celebrities, did you work with that celebrity or do you have to work with um, like their team of assistants or they actually have like their own event people that like coordinate with you? That's a great question. So it, it depends. So for example, um, I'm working right now with a singer. Her name is Melanie Fiona and all, all I work with is her. Like I speak with her. I talk to her on the phone every day. Um, all of our meetings are when we meet, it's always in person. Like it's only her. She does have other people involved like on, that are CC'd on the emails, but I'm only speaking with her. Um, mm -hmm. but for, as far as Gary goes, um, with Gary, our, I worked with him and his team and his assistant. So, um, on our first walkthrough to get an idea of what he was looking for, it was with him. We did a walkthrough of like the venue space and it was all just me asking him questions about what he, what his vision was. Like, what does he want? It's his, his, his company's 10 year anniversary and it's their first global holiday party. Like, what does he want to get out of it? How, how does he want guests to dress? Like, how does he want the space transformed? What is he, like, what is his whole goal? Like, at the, end, at the end of the event, like, in a perfect world, what would have had to happen for it to go exactly how he wants? So that's what the first meeting is like. And after that, I don't speak to him. Um, he's just copied on things, but I don't talk to him about it at all. Everything is through his assistant and who, like, mm. carves time into his schedule, like, and we'll, t we'll ask him all the questions that I need from him about mm -hmm. like a creative or something. And then, yeah, but he was, but in general, Gary was very laid back about it. He basically just said like, whatever you and the team, whatever me and the team want to do is what we did. Like we didn't really have to run much by him because he trusted like everyone that works for him that they can speak on his behalf for a lot of what, what was going on. And he was just right. about the whole ordeal. He was just very trusting and laid back about the situation. So it was, cool. it was easy, but yeah. Cool. So when, um, when you do ha have somebody, um, say yes, and you know, you're working on the proposal, you know, obviously I think it's cool that you say your pricing and prices up front. Well, do you have a certain method right now for your pricings? And was there, is there a certain way um, that you would recommend people who may be starting out or are having trouble and still don't really know how to figure that part out, like how to price their services when it comes to event planning? Yes. So when I first started, I priced my, I, I priced my rates as low as possible because one, I had no experience. So like, it is what it was like, I people needed to know that, hey, like, I my price is you're never not going to find a price like this, but I haven't done this before. So if you are on a budget, and you really can't find a, a planner or day of coordinator to do your wedding, but you want someone there who can, you know, who's smart and can follow the clear directions of like the day and just might not have like, you know, a pocketbook full of like vendors to call if like your florist doesn't show up, then 
I can do it. And I would just told them I'm confident in it. I know this is what I'm supposed to do and that, you know, my rate is great. And I come with like, I'll bring an assistant and it'll be great. And um, because the price was right for a lot of my clients early on, um, that worked. So I just figured out what other planners, um, some planners have their stuff listed on their site, some don't. Um, mm -hmm. I looked at what they, what planners were charging and I charged lower. Or if someone came to me in the beginning and they said, oh, um, this is my budget, like that's too high, then I would say, okay, well, I'll work with your budget. And I would because I was new and I needed the experience. I needed to know if I was good. I needed to have a portfolio. Like there's events I would have done for free just because I needed to show my work to like my ideal clients. Right. So, um, yeah, I did. I priced really low in the beginning. And then after I started, after like a year and a half, um, I raised my prices by, I, I, I called other event planners to see like what they were charging. I looked at websites to see like what people's packages like had. And I would look at their work and I would say, oh, okay. And like, see how long they, they've been in business. And I'll say, okay, mm -hmm. like I'll price it a little under that. And then when I started getting like really, I started getting a lot of clients and I knew I was good. Like I knew that all the work I would put in all paid off and that I can do any wedding for any client. I was like, I'm charging what I want now. Mm. So I try, so I looked at what some of the planners that have been around forever have been doing and I price it similar, but it's not, it's still not at their rate because I'm, I'm comfortable with like what I'm, what I charge my clients. But for me, it's not something I could even ever afford to pay for, like as for a wedding planner or right. an event planner in general. <laughs> yeah. But I, so I'm, I'm comfortable with my price now, but in the beginning, I totally, my method was to price low because how can I compete with no portfolio, no right. reviews, no, right. like, you know, I have not, no references. I can't compete with someone who's even been doing it for two years and has like photos to show. Like all I have is my price to go on and like my personality. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> How does like the pricing structure work in the event space? So obviously like you're getting paid, like you and your, your team are, are getting paid. Like you have yep. like a fee for that. Um, do they like give you money up front for like all the, you know, the, the vendors and stuff. And then with your vendors, is it like you do, um, mark it up, I'm assuming to get like your percentage on that. And is that like how that whole kind of money ecosystem works on every event that you do or event planners do in general? Yes. So this is, this is how it works typically. And I say typically because there'll be a client that will not like the process and then I'll just work with them. Like a client will say, I want to pay each vendor directly, like with, you know, and manage like, you know, it's literally managing four, 14 different payments. And it's really why a lot of people hire planners so they don't have to do that. But people mm. that are less trusting, um, they, they typically do that. Um, what I do is I charge a flat for weddings and corporate events, I charge a different structure. So for weddings, I charge flat rates. So I have day of coordination, partial planning, um, full service planning, which is everything, design everything, and I have design only. And that's a flat fee. So it's like, um, and I have two different fees. If it's like, if you want to book with me, it's a higher rate. But if you're okay with anybody on my team, then it's about, it's like $2,000 less. So, mm. and people typically, because of just like my Instagram, they pick me, which is fine. But if somebody, if I'm booked that day or if they, they can't necessarily afford my rates, 
they'll go with one of my planners and then like they'll just be with them the whole process and for the for the more affordable rate gotcha okay I do a flat fee for weddings because they're emotionally tied to their money so if I try to do a percentage they will think I'm bumping up all of the um all the costs so that I can get a higher fee because it's all percentage based so I don't do that I do that only for corporate events I charge 15% 15% of the budget for corporate events. Um, mm. And they're not emotionally tied to their money. It makes sense. The more that they have, it's more work. So I just do it with the percentage because every corporate event is different. So it's very hard for me to give them a flat rate like a wedding. A wedding, it has a beginning, middle, end. It's very simple. <laughs> corporate events could be anything. So I, I just charge a percentage. Mm, okay. That's, that's definitely a good insight because I had no idea. I do that like... Um, you know, you, you do add percentages on certain things, but it's cool that for weddings, like you knew your audience and you structured it in a way that still like benefits you, but it also keeps the bride in mind. And then for corporate, it kind of is also structured where it still benefits both of you guys, where it's just like an easy, you know, kind of like a flat percentage, not maybe a flat rate, but a flat percentage and they already yep. know what to expect from you. Exactly. Okay. Um, what like who is on your team? Do you have like full-time or part-time employees or do you just contract out or is it like a combination of both? So I, a combination of both. So it depends. Like I have, um, part-time event planners that when, for example, if someone wants to book the, um, the fee that's just for one of the event planners on my team, that's who takes over. Um, but if I have, um, if I have events like on the day of, on the day of at my events, I have my team there who I work with um, at events on the day of, but if there's any internal planning work or anything like that happens, that's when they're, that happens when they're assigned to their own event. Um, And then for the team that helps me on the day of, those are everyone there. So I have a list of like a team that works all of my events, but they are all 1099. So they're all contracted in and they're all, um, so, and their hours can vary from 10 hours a week to like 60 hours a week, just depending on the event. Cause like a wedding is like an 18 hour day. So that's mm-hmm. how the hours can get really crazy. But, um, yeah, so that's what they, that's what they do. So they just assist on the day of at events. Um, they're there for like weddings, corporate events, marriage proposals, whatever the event is, that's when they, um, help out. And I have an assistant who's full-time. Awesome. And you have, um, you actually have a like brick and mortar, like office space or is, are you, do you work from home and manage everybody virtually? Um, I, uh, both. So I, in the office space, I only go in probably like twice a week and it's just to meet with clients <laughs> and have like some big endeavor where we all need to be together. But I yeah. usually my days are usually spent driving, um, to, meet with clients because especially like in LA, Orange County, San Diego, like people, Mm -hmm. they don't want to drive all over. So then I just drive to them. So I literally drive to three different cities in a day sometimes because no one wants to actually like drive and park and do all that. That's crazy. I remember you posted like an Insta story. You went to like five different cities in SoCal. And I was just like, how did you even do that <laughs> like mentally like it's a situation one I have to get like a bunch of audiobooks and I have to have a bunch <laughs> of snacks and I just have to I my the way I do it is I, I have to know mentally that the next day I'm not doing anything 
Like, gotcha. Yeah, you kind of take that day off after. Totally, totally. And just do something really light, just on the computer for a little bit. But I, it, it helps me because if I have back-to-back days like that, it'll be major burnout. Absolutely. I mean, just driving is like an hour, like you said, like an hour, two and a half hours for like a short distance between cities yeah. because in LA or SoCal in general, like it takes forever because of traffic. So that, yeah, that's crazy, girl. That's cool that, you know, you, you can do that. And some people might look at that and say like, oh, I can never do that. Or there's not enough time. The fact that, you know, yes, people listening, like she's, she drives to three to five cities, like all in one day and has all these meetings with people that, you know, are her clients and, is, you know, not turning away money because of that. It's pretty cool it's that you're able true. to do that. Yeah. It's important because what I've realized is that, especially in this space, like time is of the essence, even for all creators in this space, in the event industry in general, because people want, they're, they're, they're vetting several options. They want to make their decision. And if one is taking too long, then like they're not in the mix anymore. So mm-hmm. I need to meet with them. Like if someone isn't available to drive to me until three Thursdays from now, like that, that's not going to work. I'll, I'll come to them tomorrow so we can have the conversation oh, wow. and they feel like they need to meet with six other planners. So you're on it right away because you ain't trying to miss that opportunity. Exactly. You're that bag right away. <laughs> I love it. I love it. How do you stay organized um, in such a, you know, chaotic industry and like how having like many clients and details and stuff like what is your process for staying organized? Um, are there some tools that you use that are super essential that you can recommend to um, what I do is this is my, I've used a bunch of different apps, but this is what I do. So I, throughout my day, I have a terrible memory. I have a horrible, horrible memory. So if I get off the phone with someone, I will forget and like half of the conversation, like the little, the little things that we talked about that I had that are like my little to do's. So mm-hmm. I always make sure that um, when I'm on the phone with somebody, I'm like writing, I'm typing in my notes so I can remember it. And I will, I will literally email my whole notes that I have from the convo to my email. So at the end of the day, I'll look at all the things like I'll look, okay, I had a call. I had a call with Jessica at 3 PM and she wants me to send out the new list to save the date. She did this. Oh, and she wants to change. Um, and now like Sarah is not coming to the wedding. So swatch, switch Sarah's seat with Jenny C and all the stuff I would not have remembered. I would just I <laughs> type like that. I'll write it all really quick and then I will send my notes to my email. So at the end of the day, I have like 30 emails of random things that people have said to me during the day. Even if it's just like a text, I'll screenshot mm-hmm. the text and I'll email it to myself and I'll flag it all and I'll deal with every everything that someone has said to me or has DM me and that I need to do. I will just I'll email it to myself. So it's like a part of my to-do list and I'll just flag it all. And that when I have like downtime, like at the end of the day, when I like checking my email, I'll remember all of it. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and do you like, <laughs> do you outsource those tasks to your assistant too? Is it kind of split up or do you like to t- take ownership a lot of the, for a lot of those things? Or does it just depend on who's assigned to that specific event? Um, if it's someone who's just calling me really quick and inquiring, inquiring about packages or pricing <laughs> or basic things like that, then I will send it to my assistant or if someone has a question about like someone needs like a photographer will call it lonely, like the link to like some video or I will, I, I can have my assistant do stuff like that. But when it's like a question about like the bride needs, like, you know, she wants to know how she should 
tell her mother-in-law that she doesn't want you know you know kids or babies to attend the wedding even though the mother-in-law like is a grandma and mm -hmm. so stuff like that I'll just like make a note that I need to set I need to I need to like figure out like how she should word it and, and get that together before I like reply to her so stuff like that I'll do on my own but like the basics I'll have my assistant send out gotcha okay cool cool I know you also have um, like your own rentals um, that yeah. people, like anybody can rent. I'm interested to know what kind of revenue streams that you, do you have in place for your business? So obviously like the rentals are one of them, your event planning yes. business is one. Do you have other ones that you like to have in place? Yes, rentals was the best thing I ever did. Um, I think that Having multiple revenue streams is so important. So I have, the, these are my revenue, revenue streams. So I have the event planning side, right? This is like full service planning, like that have with my packages, all different types that I can do. The mm -hmm. second one is business consulting, which is um, if aspiring event planners or aspiring business owners, like even like I have clients that are like people that are just, starting like a web design company. Um, I will teach them how to start their business and basically how to appeal to their ideal client on social media, how to land that client. I'll help them with like tactical, tactical ways to um, look like the clients that they want and um, create a whole business plan for them. So that's like the, that's a, that's a portion of what I do. And then the, the third part is the rentals. I do like the rentals and that's like a major part of my business because even if it's like, I go like a little while and there's not an event because I'm like, um, like right now, okay, there's no mm -hmm. events happening, but people are still book, but I'm still getting revenue because people are still booking business consulting with me because they want to, they want to take advantage of this time right now that they have. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then for rentals, they're booking, they're just making sure they're gonna, they're booking like their rentals, like for like September, October right now. So I'll still get like the deposits for those. So that's how that is tapped. That's how that's going. Planning is on hold though. <laughs> Yeah. Um, would you say most of your revenue comes from the planning out of all of those things you said? Yeah, I would say, I would say probably like 70% comes from planning and then 20% comes from rentals and then 10% from business consulting. That's awesome. For the rentals, do you like, where do you store, do you have like a warehouse that you store all that stuff at and like somebody, a warehouse like manager to manage all the rentals and like the delivery because that sounds like its own like separate business you know because there's like Absolutely. rental companies and then okay <laughs> let me tell you this this was a hot ass mess um so like um so to answer your question yes i have a warehouse for these items because they're like literally like 10 foot trees like it's like right whole, you know so um, I've moved spaces a bunch of times thinking, oh, I'm just going to have like four trees. No, then someone orders like eight trees. And now I have, I don't know, I have like, I don't know how many trees I have now. I have so many <laughs> trees. I have flower walls. I have the different backdrops. I have a living champagne wall. I have like, I have like almost 2000 bases for candles. Like it's crazy. So, wow. um, I have, yes. Yeah, so I have a, I have a, um, production manager that literally just, all she does is, and I used to do this. I used to just, I used to think that a guy is right for this because everything's so heavy. No, a girl, because it's very, it's a highly, <laughs> highly uh, organized situation. I need to stay that way at all times. So, um, so um, interesting. 
Yeah. So it's really, it's really, um, it's really trial and error. So it's amazing now, but um, how I did it was I got a warehouse space for it. Um, I got, I had to get a van. So I bought a van and um, I bought a cargo van. Now this, I, before I was just renting, I was going to like rental car rental places and like right. rent a, renting a van for the day. And like, that was sometimes they wouldn't have it. So I would have to go to like three different car rental places. And like, there's no like late drop off stuff after 6 p.m. And like all my events obviously go to midnight. So I had to pay like multiple days. It was just too much. So I bought a van. I got a warehouse, I got um, a team together, and I have also have like a freelance team um, just on standby in case someone can't make it. And they literally like, I'll, I'll send them an email. I'll tell them like the items that we need, the date, the date of the event, the time, and they will just, I don't have to see it. They just, they, they tell me when they picked everything up, they set it up, they send me a photo of like it all set up and they pick up and they just send me their hours and it's just a great situation. Wow, that's pretty awesome that you have that figured out. Because like I said, that's like the event planning is already a huge business. That's a lot. And then to have like a, basically a rental comp company uh, yes. is pretty crazy too. <laughs> it is, was, it, do you save money from um, having your own rentals, I assume too, since like they, you know, correspond with each other, I would assume that. Yeah. Yep, I do. They're like, and they're definitely something I always upsell or, you know, what's cool is someone will inquire about just renting, like someone wants to rent like 10 trees for like their wedding in September. And she's like, mm -hmm. oh, but do you also do day of coordination? Cause I don't have that. And then like, it's like, yeah. And then that's how they both feed each other. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. someone just searches for a backdrop and then all of a sudden I'm also doing their wedding. So that that's, happens too. That's awesome. That's really, that's really awesome. So what I've, just from everything that you've been saying so far, I think it's really cool and something to point out how, um, to our listeners, how you are very strategic and you try to make everything like work with each other and you've, you know, reverse engineered everything and you've hired help to like help you to not doing it all yourself. Um, so I think that's really cool that you've been able to kind of pinpoint how everything, uh, can work for you and I know a lot of people listening can take that and run with it as well yeah I mean the slowest way to grow is to do it all yourself and that's what I I was I did it so much myself in the beginning I quit like like 30 times I was like this isn't for me forget it like it's too stressful mm. it's too much I can't do this like it's too hard and and it was because I was doing it by myself like rightfully so it was way too hard like I need multiple people there on, on event days like I can't help the bride while like the building is being freaking set on fire, which is what it feels like half the time. Like I need someone right. who can be there. And so I realized really early on that like, if I'm going to be happy with this, I have to hire people. Like I have to, even yeah. if that's less money for me. Absolutely. Um, I know a lot of people in the creative space don't like to share like their numbers and things like that. Like not enough. I don't think enough creatives talk about like, actual pricing and stuff and I'm not saying that um, or I'm not going to ask you like to share what yours are unless you really want to but I'm just curious if you could throw out a number for people that don't even know or maybe are just starting out like how much money can you make from event planning like what's the highest paying project that you've done or that you know that other event, uh, event planner can get so like the lowest amount so my first year 
my goal was like, I had, I was like, oh, my first year, I'm going to make like $50,000. Nope. I made like 25 <laughs> and that's, and that's blood, sweat and tears. That's like me not sleeping oh, man. out. And that's like real blood, sweat. like, that was me like on my deathbed, like half the time. Like I literally like neglected my whole self to build it. And I mm -hmm. only made, I literally only made like 25 grand. That's probably me rounding up too. Is so that like, revenue or profit? uh revenue revenue oh man profit revenue so that was me but okay i had the money i saved so thankfully um and then after that <laughs> literally the next year six figures so um it's it's when i left my job that's when everything changed i mean i i, re I didn't realize because i worked i worked from I would get home at maybe like 6.30. So I worked like 6.30 to like 2 a.m. I would not sleep. I would like go, and then I had work the next day at like eight or nine, but um, I didn't realize. And I, so I thought, well, I'm still putting in a lot of work. Like I, it's okay if I keep this job. But when I left, I had, I had, I had that time and I had like another 12 hours. So everything changed. Gotcha. What, um, like what, so instead of a, um, yearly income like how much can somebody make from like per event would you say mm, so like corporate events it depends like so because of the percentage of the budget so let me map this out so because a, a wedding okay like for a wedding i charge right now i charge 10 grand for a wedding so mm -hmm. maybe that answers that for weddings but for a corporate event it's a percentage of the budget so let's say that a corporate event like let's say their budget is like some mid like mid-sized businesses their budget is typically like 250 or something like that like 250k for like their mm -hmm. holiday party so i would get almost 38,000 from that's one of awesome. them so cool. that's really great because it's like okay look what i made like my first you know my first freaking year mm -hmm. and it's like i can do one event for like a mid um a mid-sized company like that you know that cares about their holiday party and and you realize okay so you you can kind of look at one you want to retain them right so that you know yeah. every year you have like at least a guaranteed like 38 grand and then you see how many more of those types of clients you need to get to maintain whatever lifestyle that you want and everything else is like great and it's extra so that's kind of how that's kind of how i gauge it obviously if you get like a huge company like if i got facebook then mm -hmm. I mean, then obviously, like I could make a hundred thousand dollars, something like that, from an event, or if they, just from they that, have so one many event. Employees. Yeah, because if I'm charging fifteen percent of the budget, not that I've landed Facebook, it's a goal, but I have not landed. Yeah. But their budgets are not even if they have all these frills; they just need to feed all their people, and they have mm -hmm. so many. So just like that alone is what increases the budget is like food. It's like a huge part of the cost. So that's why if it's like in numbers, like if the companies of just a bigger company, naturally like the budget's gonna have to be bigger cause they're gonna have to feed people. And then everything else that goes on top of that. Gotcha. Wow, that's really, really cool insight. Um, and I think it's good to, that you know your numbers as well. <laughs> uh, have you had any like mentors or coaches during your journey and building your business? Nope, not a single one. And it's because really? this is my theory. 
I didn't try that hard too. I mean, looking back, I would have saved myself like years of like trial and error for so much if I had one. Like I totally think I should have. Um, mm -hmm. I think that was a mistake that I made that I didn't. But um, in this industry, it's in like I like I replied fast to you, right? Because I'm like team girl power over here. Oh, okay? like, yes. That's all I want, right? But if I'm reaching out to someone about event planning and it's like, or if I like want some kind of mentorship or something like that, um, they just weren't very, you know, susceptible to like replying to me or they just didn't really care because one, it like looks like competition mm -hmm. and two, it's just like, well, it's girls. So I just feel like it was just like not there. It wasn't that easy like to get what I because like I, the mentorship I want or wanted would be like, how did you do this? Like, tell me how, right? So right. I can do that. But it was like, a lot of people are just very vague. Like even in people's courses that they have, it's still pretty vague. And I want like, tell me, you know, tell me exactly what you did. That's like the level of mentorship, exactly. I wanted, you know, and I wasn't getting that. Mm -hmm. So no, I have not had a mentor. Ah, oh, gotcha. Well, I love that. Um, so far, you've given a lot of valuable um, tips and tactical strategies just from, you know, all the answers that you've given to my question. So I think oh, it's good. cool that you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're setting that example. Um, and I think more creatives, no matter the industry, and especially women, like we need to empower one another and not look at each other as competition. Like there's enough money out there for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> There is enough, you know, and it's like just sharing the information. Like I, I like if I had to say, if I had mentors, they're all virtual that have never met me. You know, they're all online mm -hmm. people that are on YouTube and I'll like watch their stuff. And I like for motivation purposes, but yeah, when people map things out for me or like, even like on YouTube and I see it, I'm like, wow, like this is exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> That's why I try yeah. to be like, because it's like, People don't want the whole vague, being vague, you can Google that, you know? Like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the big reason why I started this podcast too, because I just felt yeah. like there's not enough like behind the curtain looks at like creative businesses, because as a creative professional, there's so many ways to be successful. There's so many ways to make money, but nobody is talking about it. If people yeah. share their story, they talk about the craft and like the details of it. And maybe they talk a little bit about the business, but nobody wants to share numbers. Nobody wants to share the processes and systems. Nobody wants to talk about how they get clients. Like just like the basic stuff that come, yeah. comes up, like the simple questions that everybody has when they first start out or trying to grow a business. It's like, why is it so far hard to like find the answer to this? Or maybe I can only like find the answer from one person. Like why isn't more people, you know, sharing, sharing the goods too? Yeah. Like, I would yeah. love to know how other people do it. I'm sure there's other ways that are better than what I do, but I wouldn't know. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know what's one of the biggest mistakes that you made in your business and how did you grow from it? Ooh, biggest mistake. I, that's easy. Biggest mistake <laughs> is not managing people's expectations that have, um, you know, a, basically have champagne dreams on a beer budget. And that was my biggest problem because it's fine to have whatever budget you have. But what I, what I struggled with like my first year was I would say, yeah, like they'll send me a photo. And I'm like, yeah, we can do that because we can, but not for what they have like to put forth towards that. So 
I was like, I'll do the best I can. I was like, I was just too vague. I would say like, you know, I'll do, we'll do the best we can to make it just like that photo, but like your budget will limit us. But I didn't say, like I would say no, like I would say now, no, that cannot, that look cannot be achieved. That's a $250,000 <laughs> wedding there. We only have 30 grand to work with. It can't look like that. Yeah. Like, and by me saying that on the day of their wedding, they're not walking in expecting that. They know what they're getting. They know what their budget is and they have a reality check. And in the beginning, I was very vague. And I would say like, we can do something similar, but we can, but it ain't, it's not like that. And they don't, that's too vague to say similar. Like they need to know, like it absolutely can't happen because that person had a lighting budget of like 50 grand and we have 1200 to use. There's no way, <laughs> you know? And I tell them yeah. if anyone tells you otherwise, like they're, they just want your business, but like, you'll be disappointed. So yeah. You know, so that's was my biggest mistake because I would have brides or just like for events, just just clients in general, like, hey, but you know, like the event was ran well, but the photos I sent, this is not like them. And I would have that issue and I would be like, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like the photos you sent, they were like, you know, this was a, this is like the budget that would be needed to achieve that. And they're like, well, you said it would look similar, but wouldn't it look the same? But that's just way different. Like, that's like, and I'm like, yeah, like, that's when I realized, okay, that's like a mistake. I can't sugarcoat, like, what it is. Yeah, no, I think that's a good um, lesson for people listening, too, because it's just like, in the beginning, you more of a, you're more of a yes person in the beginning, because you're just trying to get projects, you want people and your clients yeah. to be happy, but then as you, like, go through it, you're like, oh, man, like, this is never going to ha happen again. Like, I cannot go no one can pay me enough money to ever go through this type of situation again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's so true. You really, you really realize that fast because the stress of doing something without the pieces that you need is just like, there's, there's no price you can put on that for my stress level. Like I cannot. Yeah. Um, with tough times today, like how the coronavirus has basically took over the world and you know, your industry is a big, um, industry that has been impacted by it. there's no travel there's no you can't have group, large groups of people and so I know a lot of people in your industry are struggling scared not really knowing what to do um, what do you have to say to those people that um, are struggling do you have any advice of how to get through this time or how to better prepare for something like this if this were to ever happen in the future any ideas of what they can be doing now to kind of help you know keep their business afloat yeah. So what I would do is I would, I would stop all advertising really costs that you can right now. Like a lot of us in this industry, we use Facebook ads, which are amazing, but mm -hmm. they, people don't have that at top of mind right now. So when people see something like, Oh, I want, you know, I'm trying to advertise for my plant, my event planning services. People don't even know when their event's going to be like, they're not even thinking about that right now. So I think that if you don't have something to where it's like, let's say you're selling mugs and you're like, okay, like for every mug I sell, one will like the profit will be donated to this. Then no one really cares about what your ad is. So I would eliminate all ad spending right now. So you can, so they can save that money um, on that mm -hmm. end. And I would just have, I, I would advise everyone to like use this time to update their contracts to where they have a lot of people have like acts of God or like, you know, if something like this happened, like as a clause, so that people mm -hmm. can know that uh, they can postpone, but not re I mean, but not cancel because mm -hmm. giving back 
um, giving back like the deposit is extremely detrimental to your business when you've already mapped Absolutely. out your finances. So I, I'm really not into people refunding anybody if they, if mm -hmm. they, they cancel like postponing. Yes. I will accommodate people if they want to have their wedding five years from now, but it's the canceling and wanting the money back. We're all in the same situation. So it's like, I don't think that's, I don't think that is smart for your business to do that at all. Yeah, I think that that's really good. I mean, I think everybody in this time, whether, you know, whether it's the client too, it's just like, we all got to figure out how we can, you know, help each other. That's like their business. And obviously the client has their life that they're trying to get yep. through and has, you know, maybe they lost their job. And it's just like, you know, even at the end of the day, if you can at least just talk to your client and figure out, you know, what can be a win-win, because I'm sure your client can understand, like, you're running a business and like, you know, sure. that's, this is your job. You know, nobody has to get nasty and nobody has to um, feel like they have to give, you know, away everything. So, yeah, yeah. that's just creating, solid advice. Just creating, yeah, just creating that communication, that line of communication with your client and letting them know that you're here for them. You'll do all you can. You're happy to, I just, tell, I, I, I went straight to, I told everyone I'm happy to postpone their wedding to more, to a comfortable time, but I never say cancel. Like, I'm just like, I'm happy to postpone your wedding to a different time mm -hmm. or like, or if people do cancel, okay, fine, you cancel it, but you can use this credit. You don't get your money back, but you can use this credit towards a future event that you can give to someone else or for rentals or whatever in the future. Mm, that's good. Yeah, that then they can. So you still, regardless, you're not like your your account's not depleting even more. Like you can at least like you cut ties. They don't want to have their event anymore. They're over it, but they can use that credit. So it's it's not like a total. Like, I feel like it's it's more mutual, like beneficial for everybody. Like you're not losing money, and well, technically you might be losing the other half of your deposit, but you're not giving yeah. money back, which is way right. worse. Right. Uh, that's really good. Really good. Um, how do you feel that we as a creative community can annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? I think, I think it's just, I mean, it's, it's mental. Um, mm -hmm. I think half of it is mental. The other half is we have to collaborate. This is a, this is a thing. Not, people don't have to be, when you start in the event planning industry specifically, then it trickles down to literally every single vendor. Mm -hmm. um, if people were had more solidarity with their rates, then it would. I think the industry would transform, and people would people would be paid more of what they should be paid for their work. But let's say that you know someone is charging a photographer is charging you know five hundred dollars for the wedding for the whole wedding, and but the industry standard is like thirty five hundred, then it's hard. It's hard for like the. It's hard for people to get on board when they're like they'll call you and they'll say hey like you know this photographer's charging 500 like i'm gonna go with them even though the work is totally different but it's like yeah. i think i think that makes it very very difficult when like the when there's not a standard like for some industries that i work with like everything like let's say you're getting a car or you're getting mm -hmm. or you're getting a credit card the, the apr everything is very similar like, yeah, you have like a I standard. Think, mm -hmm. Yeah, you have a standard that you know, like this is probably like the range is going to fall in. So it's like, it's up to you to decide what you want to do from there. But I think it makes it, makes it quite difficult when the prices are so random and mm -hmm. sometimes 
school, but like with a super like way lower rate, they find out later that it was a mistake, but they go with a lower rate. And then it's like, they don't realize that there is a huge, a huge difference. And it doesn't have to be that way. And because it's also mental, um, I think that people, I think everyone should, it's, it's easy. It's easier said than done to say, try. I get that. It's so hard for me to, for me to just say it, but you really have to bet on yourself. You just have to, yeah. like you have to bet on yourself. And it's hard for me to, to even explain like what that entails, but like, you have to know, you really have to know you can do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, you know, the mental thing. I think for creatives, it's, that's like where it first starts is like your mentality. Like if you have confidence, if you believe you can do it, um, if you value yourself and believe that you can charge what you're worth. And then even the fact that you're touching on like how um, pricing is so vague and all over the place, like I'm totally on board with that. And I feel like that's like a big reason for like the starving artist status quo is because people like we are doing it to our community by one, like I was saying earlier, not sharing, you know, numbers of like, what's the potential? Like, you know, yeah. um, I was talking to a muralist the other day, like they've done like $57,000 mural projects. And like, there's artists that would gasp at that or like not even know that that was even a possibility. And it's because we're not like yep. sharing the numbers, you know what I mean? And just like, yep. once totally we start, yeah, once we start sharing that and then once we start sticking to, you know, our pricing and then when society comes to us for our creative talents, they'll begin to know like, what to expect from us and especially people who are charging like low rates like the $500 like what you said or working for free even like and yeah. not just talking about like obviously in the beginning you might do some stuff for free but it's just like you don't want society to expect free work from creatives and that's kind of like where we are too 100% um, 100% I agree yeah. like because then it becomes more than people then people just say barter too much. And it's just mm -hmm. like, no, like this is like, they don't look at it like, you know, like they're signing up for a credit card, you know, because it's yeah. like, they don't get it. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. And I totally agree with that. Um, so we're coming to the end, sadly, of um, our, our discussion and chat today. But my last question for you is what's next? What's next for Dreams of Detail, for Nicole Harris? I know this coronavirus it makes it kind of hard to answer that question, but what do you got? Got anything exciting in store that our listeners yeah. can be looking forward to? Yeah, so I really am trying to build the business consulting side of my business um, because I'm, I'm trying, to, I'm starting this thing. I'm like, I'm in the midst of it. I'm trying to start this um, thing called Overnight Success. And it's basically going to be a girl boss sleepover, and it's going to be um, a bunch of a bunch of people that um, are. It's going to be a mix of aspiring um, business owners, not even not just only in the event space, like realtors, all kinds of people will be there. And I want to have speakers there, so it's like um, so they like have like we prepare like um, really cute pajamas for everybody. We have mimosas, we have a dinner. And then we have speakers talking to us the whole time. Then we're, then we're bonding and we're networking. So we're creating a networking group where we mutually will refer each other to each other, like our clients mm -hmm. to each other, because we're building like a friendship that way. And then um, we're going to um, really hone down on what our goals are, how we're going to achieve them, how we will help each other too. And just be, my whole thing is to have the most 
super transparent like girl boss sleepover so that's what overnight success that. is yeah so that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to get together now and do and have speakers for that and just have it be a super fun time so that's my current goal oh that's so exciting i can't i can't <laughs> wait to hear um more of that more about that and I'm going to list your social media and website and all of that um, in the show details. So everybody listening, make sure you follow her, be on the lookout for when she drops the details on that and for everything else that she's doing, check out her website. And if you want to learn from her, she did share that she does, you know, mentoring and consulting for people in the industry. So definitely reach out to her for that because, you know, you have to invest in yourself. And when you have people like her who are really open and eager to share their knowledge and experience like you got to go after it and make that investment especially in a time like this where you know people have to pivot and i think you know having those backup plans of like having a business and having an online business and having different streams of revenue and income like this is the time to start thinking and building out what that can look like for you so nicole thank you so much for um joining me today and dropping some crazy gold nuggets and bombs for our gangstar creative listeners um i hope you stay safe and healthy and again just thank you so much for your time and value thank you so much for having me i was so excited to be here i love it if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe listen to a couple more episodes and share it with a fellow gangstar creative i would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of and as a thank you for leaving me a review, I'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a Gangstar brand PDF and five ways to boost your online sales PDF. Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.